Hello and welcome to Show Up, Stand Up, Speak Up. I'm your host, Sherry Godfrey, and with me today is Sarah Lynn, the author of In Repair, From Existing to Living, a story in short poems. Sarah's going to share with us her struggles with mental health and how she has managed to move forward. This is part one of a three-part series, so grab your coffee cup, sit back, enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Show Up, Stand Up, Speak Up. At the table with me today, I have Sarah Lynn. And ladies, for those of you who are listening, I literally mean put your coffee down, put the seatbelt on, and join us for a ride. Sarah Lynn is an author, a young author, and in full transparency, I found her on Facebook. Someone that I know had posted about the book that she had written, the book that has sold out. Sarah Lynn lives in North Vancouver, British Columbia, with her cat, Elliot. She grew up in Deep Cove, the firstborn in a set of triplets. And poetry is one of the passions that she enjoys while balancing the chaos and quiet in her mind. Walking, overthinking, playing soccer, crocheting, and eating ice cream right out of the tub. It's a girl after my own heart. Also make that list of passions. Sarah hopes to pursue a career in therapy and continues to write and study. Ladies, today we have with us a very brave young lady. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. I'm also going to preface that we're in two completely different time zones. So God bless. She has a cup of coffee in her hand and it is 6 a.m. where she's at joining us. And Sarah has a brand new book out. Uh, she's a poet, recovery ad advocate, and an author. And the title of her book is In Repair, From Existing to Living, A Story in Poems. Why poems, Sarah? Because I found it really, really hard to express my feelings in full sentences. And it's super easy for me to express it in art and poems just kind of came easily and I use the words to kind of represent things that are unrepresentable. Mm. I am going to share um, some of your work as we go through our conversation today. So the opening poem in Sarah's book goes as follows. The waves of pain come crashing in. With them, they take away my light. I can no longer see a future where the waves don't drown me. So I let myself get swept away, hoping that the depths of the abysmal ocean will match the color of my craving soul. What an <laughs> opener. What an opener. And I would imagine that there's ladies who are listening right now who especially that last line, match the color of my craving soul. They get you a hundred percent. So I'm going to have you share a little bit about your backstory, if you would, so that the ladies know how this came about. So what exactly would you like me to share? Well, I think about how we got here. So I know that although you're only 21, 
you are wise beyond your years, not by choice, not by choice. And as I read a little bit about you, I'm gonna give a, a list of um, what you've had to combat so far. So diagnosed with border personality disorder, OCD, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, depression, ADHD, and anorexia. Yeah. <laughs> and part of what you had prefaced is that um, kids can be cruel. Like kids can be really cruel. So I think that your struggles have started at a really early age. Yeah. Um, I was a very sensitive kid. And I, I mean, most kids are sensitive. I think I was just highly sensitive. Mm. And I never really got the support and love from my parents that I needed. I don't blame them. They they couldn't give it to me at the time and they were going through their own um, issues, but it came out in seeking outside validation from teachers and friends and all of that. And as a kid, um, especially like as a triplet, we were all in the same class in the same grade, <laughs> the same age, we had the same friends. Um, and it wasn't really something that was that great for me. Um, I well, like I was an anxious kid. And like I said, kids can be cruel. And I think it's because they don't understand the consequences of what they of words, and how they treat people. And um, which makes sense, right. But um, yeah, I was bullied as a kid. Um, I had severe attachment issues, so I would bring my, um, favorite stuffy to school with me, and it's like, I look back now, and it's sweet, but I, it was not sweet <laughs> as a, um, like, 12-year-old carrying around a stuffy at school, mm -hmm. so I got bullied for that, and I got bullied for being weird and being crazy and being just a lot of things, and my siblings would, um, joining on that too just because it's easy to want to fit in and that was the, that was just easy for them and I don't blame them because my parents couldn't give them the attention I needed either and I kind of became the scapegoat for my family um, and my family's issues and um and I hit high school and that was an interesting transition um it was I made a, a, a lot of new friends, which was good. Um, my friends are my life um, and they always have been since um, probably grade 10. But um, yeah, high school was hard. I grew up more and I kind of realized the, I kind of came to realize what is right and what is wrong and how you should be treated and mm -hmm. by your parents and um, my dad was not, um, he did his best, but he had a lot of anger issues, um, and that took a toll on me, and my mom, um, tried to kind of mediate, uh, mediate the relationship, and over time that just blew up. 
um, because I would stand up to him and he would get mad that I would stand up to him and um, yeah so he did he did um, some stuff happened um, with him and he uh, one day I kind of just stopped talking to him and we lived in the same house for two years and I didn't say a single word to him um, not wow. literally, literally not a single word for two years. Wow. Ain't it touch on a couple of the points that you've made if that's okay? Yeah. So I think it's really important for the moms who are listening in right now that one, Sarah's only 21. A lot of what Sarah has gone through is still really new and fresh and she's still really just beginning to live her dreams and her life. Yeah. When she references in grade 10 that her friends are her life. She was looking for outside validation. That oftentimes, and I know I'm guilty of this when my kids were that age, that if something wasn't going just the way that as a parent we thought it would, we thought it was supposed to go, whether they were disobeying or they were ignoring the rules or whatever it was, our automatic reaction is to take all of that away from our children, is to do the grounding, um, is to keep them home and to keep them away from all of their friends. And when you just said that a light bulb went off in my head. And what I'm thinking is that, oh my goodness, what a difference it would have been if I had have at least let one or two of those friends come into our home during that time of grounding or whatever it was that my daughter and I, I will say would be the same. Um, she was very vocal and we bought heads at the best of times. And although I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, I now, as you're saying this, can see that she was standing up for her rights and her convictions. And she was doing what she felt was in her best interest as well. And yeah. it's not neither one was right or wrong. We were both right in that moment. We were just at odds and couldn't see. So parents, if you're seeing this right now, and perhaps you are struggling with your teenage daughter or your teenage son, God bless, um, it's just a part of growing up, that maybe if we're a little bit more bendable, maybe if we're a little bit more open to hearing and seeing what is going on in their life, that maybe just perhaps they can transition through that period. Maybe what they need at this particular moment in time is their best friend sleeping over with them somebody who understands and gets them, speaks their language and feels their pain in a way that they feel it. And we just don't have the ability to do that. So as we're saying that, I do want you to know, Sarah, that your words are hitting home and that a light bulb has gone off. And I'm hoping that that light bulb has been triggered in some of the parents that are listening to you right now because those are very strong words and very wise words to be sharing. So, so thank you for that validation of, um, of it being okay to stand your ground. Yeah, it is. And I think that it's easy to forget that your parents are also human. And it's easy for your, as a parent, to forget that your, your kid is a kid and they don't see the world in the same way that you do. Mm -hmm. And... I don't blame either of my parents, right? And I mean, I did for a long time, but um, yeah, they, your friends understand you on a different level. And I think part of that is because you can be super open and honest with your friends. And um, a lot of the time parents 
want to protect their kids from their own pain and their own trauma. Um, but personally, I think the best thing that you can do is just be completely transparent and completely human with your kid because at the end of the day, you both of you are human. We are both human and we're both growing and learning at the same yeah, time. Exactly. It's, Nobody knows how to parent. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't get a handbook with our kids. So I have a son and a daughter and neither one of them came with a handbook and each of them are very, very different and needed to be parented in very different ways. Yeah. And that's interesting that you say that because um, like I, that, that's true for me and I'm, we're, I'm a triplet. Like me and my brother and my sister, we all have different temperaments and we respond differently to my parents and how they parented us and how they disciplined us and and all of that. And that needs to be talked about more, I think as well, because one something that my mom did that caused me trauma might not have caused my sister trauma. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think that it's a good point to um, bring up. And I think that yeah, I think that it's just, that's, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. And it's very valid that no matter how many children you have at home, each one of them will react very differently. I know that uh, one example that I can give is that if we were getting ready to go out and I would say, you know, we're, we're leaving at one o'clock, I can tell my son at quarter to one, okay, I'm ready, let's go. And he'd pop on his shoes and he would be fine. If I told my daughter that we were ready at quarter to one, she would be, no, you said one o'clock. It's not one o'clock and I'm not ready. I still have 15 minutes. But so for some of our children, they really need those time frames, and they need you to hold true to what you said. So one o'clock is one o'clock. It's not 1255. It's not 105. It's one o'clock. And some of your kids can roll with the punches. 1245, 110, doesn't really matter. They're good. They're good to go. So it's being very mindful of all of the people that you have in your household. And that although something may resonate with one child, it may be a completely different story for another. And that's still valid. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was the last, I mean, I didn't, I felt for years that I didn't meet my parents' expectations because I wasn't very good in school. I felt like I was a troublemaker. I felt like I wasn't good enough and I felt like I didn't meet my parents expectations and I think that because I felt that way I lived up to it in a way and I also was not at all what my parents expected when they had a kid and I think expectations to some extent are good but I think as a parent, you have to let your kid be who they are and do what they want to do without imposing your own goals on them. Oh, the own, your own goals. That's perfect. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. That it is, it's absolutely okay to have expectations of our children. I fully believe that. Um, I have a seven-year-old grandson now, and I can tell you that we, we do have expectations, you know, Part of those expectations are you do say please and thank you. You are polite, you're kind. There are certain things that are um, values to be instilled of your family expectations. Do I expect him to grow up to be a doctor or a lawyer? I don't. 
would it be nice from a society standpoint? Of course, that's where you want your kids to go. And you want your kids to succeed. You do. And we want them to succeed and be better than what we were. Yeah. But although our goals may have been to be that doctor or a lawyer or the professional hockey player or the professional athlete, whatever that may be, that that doesn't necessarily ring true for the person that is receiving that. Yeah. And if the expectation that you are now setting is that, well, they're just a troublemaker, that they never abide by the rules. Well, be careful of the expectations that you set, because if that's the expectations, our children can certainly meet those expectations on a regular basis. So it's having the, I guess it's having the knowledge or the heart more, it's having the heart to allow our kids to ebb and flow. Yeah. To expand out on the items that they need to expand with, even if you don't get it. I so agree. And it's really interesting. I have a, a girlfriend who's, they wanted the same. So they wanted their son to be, you know, the doctor, the lawyer, the, the elite athlete, the whatever it was. And he came home and he had said that he's ready to go to school and his major was going to be the, the electric guitar. That's brave and, of him. And they, they kind of looked and went, um, like, I, I don't think that's a thing. Like, I, I don't think that's a thing. And he's always been drawn to music. They gave him the gift of music. They encouraged him to do that. And he's now at one of the highest schools. He applied, um, got an interview, went for the audition. And he's now at one of the finer schools for post-secondary education. And his major is the electric guitar. That's awesome. And their comment was, is that, are they 100% confident that he will walk out of that school with a job as an electric guitarist? No, no, he may not. But they said what they do know is he's been accepted to a school of excellence. Well, and he's happy. He's completely happy. He's living his dream. But she said, if, if you don't even get that, what they had to look at, and they, they have the ability um, to allow him to live out his dream. But they said at the end of the day, Everyone who was in that school had to apply and audition. It is the cream of the crop of the teachers. So above all else, he's surrounded by people who understand what it's like to fight for and be excellent in their, in their craft. Their work ethic, their habits, their passions all excel at a really high level. So that if nothing else at the end of the day, he'll walk out knowing what excellent looks like feels like and the work ethic behind it yeah and it looks different and, for everybody and totally different for everybody so some of your I don't want to give all of your story away because there is a book at the end of the day and really what I want people to do is I want people to go into Amazon so I'm going to tell you right now that the book is sold out so congratulations high five on that one it's sold out in the blink of an eye, literally. It's like we saw the post and I don't even know if it was 24 hours later. Book it was, was <laughs> it was, a I think it was about 13 hours, 14. It's crazy. So a lot of support that you have from all of your community, your friends. I mean, everyone is just rallied and championing behind you. And I do want, I, I do need a copy of the book. I actually need a few copies of the book. Yes. People that I know in my life who have been impacted by mental health, 
who have had struggles and continue to struggle. And I think what you're gifting the world with your words is the opportunity to read the pain and the suffering that somebody else has experienced. And it's not that I'm overjoyed that you've been through that. Of course not, yeah. But I'm absolutely exhilarated that you have the audacity to put pen to paper and to put down exactly what you were feeling. Because I know as people pick up this book and they read it, that those words are gonna lift off of that paper and resonate and they are gonna sit there. I am going to lead you with a few tears shed saying somebody gets me. And that's, that's my only hope, honestly. And when I started writing, I didn't intend to write a book at all. I just did it because it was the best way for me to cope and it was the best way for me to get all my feelings out and take a step back and look at them. And over the course of maybe two years, I, uh, maybe less, I guess, but I, I just wrote and I wrote whatever I felt, whatever I was going through. Um, and I put it into a document and I just kept them there. And actually the people that I went to um, residential treatment with encouraged me to put them in a book. And I was like, oh no, it's, no one's gonna read my book. It's fine, it's fine. And finally I did. And then I met Diana and through con like through contact, some of my contacts and I got it published. But my only hope for this book is that people read it and they feel understood and people read it and they can relate to it and they can put themselves in the shoes that I was in. And I, I like poetry because it's vague, but it's not vague. It's mm -hmm. vague enough for you to take that poem and apply it to your own situation, to whatever you're going through. But it's, it's detailed enough to, for you to know what it's about. I love it. Diana Ryers is the one who helped you publish the book. Yes, I love her. She's amazing. She, she is a voice for people with a story to share. And she gives voice to some painful stories to come to light. Yes. And I think what's really important is that we're having a conversation and we're bringing this to the table and we're shedding light on it. So for those of you who are tuning in and listening, you do need to know that Sarah has been through some pretty horrific things and has overcome and is still overcoming. I would anticipate that it's going to be a lifelong process. It is. Continue yeah. on, on that path. Um, sometimes what happens is that all of those dark feelings that we have on the inside, they're so painful and they're so strong that we just can't contain them. That it is not uncommon for cutting to come into play. Uh, it just releases the pain. For those that don't comprehend or understand, it, it is a re it's a valid release of pain. It's shocking. It's very shocking. But it's if you could only imagine that the internal pain is so great, that there's no place for it to go, that the cutting allows some of that to, to seep out and to ease down a little bit. That... You haven't had a couple of suicide attempts. Um, you have spent a few days in a psych ward. You have paired up with a fantastic therapist who I believe what you wrote is that she broke you. She broke you so you could break through. 
I loved that line. I loved that line. And that you have been in a residential treatment. So Sarah sits before us, not without the work and not without the hardships. So if there's any parents right now who are listening and not just parents, if there's any young adults who are struggling and think that there is no light at the end of the tunnel, Sarah is proof that there is and that the light is really hard to capture on some days. And some days are so dark, you don't see that light, but it does come. It does. And sometimes not for a long time, maybe even years. And that's okay. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And it's also worth it to keep going. And I think the main thing that got me through it was support and people that believed in me. I could not have done it by myself at all. No, and that is a very strong point that needs to be made, that if right now there's somebody in your life and you're battling what you think is an endless battle, don't give up hope on them and don't give up fighting for them. That even on the days that you show up for them and they push you away, know that they hear you and know that it is validated perhaps not in the ways that you expect it to be or want or want yeah or want and i can tell you um i have been through but my daughter and i have had some push and pull and there's some of those push and pull days that uh, god bless i wasn't sure if we would ever see the light of day and i think it's just that my want for her was so great that I was unable to see the need that she had in that present moment. Um, yeah. But we've never given up on it, have always been able to push through um, and pull through. And on the other side of that, it's a glorious relationship. It is. And it is. I think that you don't always have to show up for them. You can show up just for yourself and that's enough. And they are, if you're trying to support somebody that's mentally ill, they are not your responsibility, mm. but you have to approach it with compassion because they're human. And if they could control their thoughts and their feelings and the way that they were acting, they would because nobody wants to do things like that. Nobody wants to treat themselves horribly. Nobody wants to treat others horribly. Really, nobody does. And I think that, yeah, you, you don't have to always show up for them, but you can show up for yourself and that's enough. I think that on days when <laughs> my mom or my therapist and my friends, I would, when I was not doing well and was being mean and, and not, not, um, was being mean and I wasn't being co cooperative and all of that. They, sometimes they just didn't have the energy to fight me and that was okay, but they never left. And that's what was important. And that's how I got through everything. And my therapist was the first person to 
stand up to me and not be scared of me and to let me say all the horrible things I want to say and do all the horrible things I want to do and not take her advice and show up to therapy and not do any of the work. <laughs> and she didn't leave. She still, she just sat there and she believed in me and she never left. And eventually I started to do the work and it took lots of time, but that's kind of all that matters. I think that's really important is that you just don't leave. It doesn't mean that you have the, um, the ability to fight every day with them. And reality is it's not our fight to fight. Yeah, it's not. You can support them, but mm-hmm. you can't change change their brain, really. No, and you need to be able to work through that in the manner that works for you so that it is sustainable for the long haul and you're being true to who you are on the inside. You're not doing it just to appease or please somebody else on the outside. Yes. I love how you put it in one of your poems. So when you grab the book, ladies, it's on page 58. In the midst of suffering, I let the light hit my face and tell myself everything is going to be okay. That is my absolute, that's my favorite poem I've ever written. And love not, it. not because it's the best, um, but it has so much meaning to me. I remember mm-hmm. where I was when I thought of this. I was in, it's actually my next tattoo that I want, but um, I remember I was in Looking Glass and it's a residential treatment center. Um, for when I was there for my eating disorder. And they have a, every Wednesday we did yoga and it was a sunny day and the ceiling is glass. It's kind of like a, a dome. Um, it's, it's called an atrium, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And the sky was blue and there was clouds, but the sun was shining through the window and I was laying um, in uh, Savasana and I was just thinking and I, it hit me. I said, uh, uh, I said, I, I let the light hit my face and tell myself everything will be okay because that's what I did. The sun shone on my face and I told myself that everything is going to be okay. And because you're not allowed phones or <laughs> anything, mm-hmm. I immediately got up and so I didn't forget it and I wrote the like the whole poem out on my arm in sharpie so I wouldn't forget it um yeah and then I wrote it later that evening in my computer but um yeah it's it's yeah my my favorite poem I've ever written and I love it so yeah it just resonated with me on so many levels and I think all of us have bad days I know that all of us have bad days not every day is a good day and I often give women permission. I say, some days we just need a pity party and it's perfectly okay. It's perfectly okay to stay in your pajamas, to make a hot chocolate and curl up with a book and do nothing all day long. It's not okay to be in a pity party for weeks on end, but on a daily, sometimes on a daily basis, that is just what you need. And I think we need to give ourselves more permission to just be in that moment to be with the sadness, the anger, the whatever is bubbling up so that we can not push it down, but we can actually come to terms with it. We can listen to that little voice on the inside. We can have that chatter with ourselves and we can come to some sort of terms. It doesn't mean that it's fixed within a day and that it's going to go away tomorrow, 
but God bless if your feet have hit the floor today, you've been gifted with a brand new day. Yeah, and I think that, I think that when you push pain down, so the world tells you, tells us that all the messages they send us from since we are kids, that bad feelings are not okay and you don't want to de deal with them. So you push them down. Mm -hmm. And when you push them down and you don't deal with them, eventually it's going to have to come out in other ways. And I mean, for me, it came out in cutting, in not eating, in binging and purging, in um, unsafe sex, in um, like a million, like so many ways. And because I just, I wasn't dealing with anything that happened. And maybe my ways of dealing with them, the ways that they came out was extreme because I feel big feelings um, and not everybody does, but it still comes out no matter who you are in ways that are not helpful, whether it's very, very harmful or just a little bit. I agree with you. And I do want to share just a little bit of your epilogue as we start to close out our conversation today. I believe that we should probably connect again and have many different conversations because there's many aspects to your story I believe that need to be shared. I would love to um, talk about more. Um, I would love to talk more about my um, journey with like anorexia and borderline personality disorder and um, like self-harm and, and all of that stuff. So I would love yeah, that. There's so much that needs to be covered. I will tell you that Sarah is going to be showing up for a virtual book club for us. We will be posting the link for that. That obviously the encouragement is that you do grab the book. You read through the book and you understand and hear where Sarah is coming from. And when we come together all in a Zoom room in one space, a safe space, there will be some really good intimate conversations that we will be having face-to-face. -face. And there is no judgment. There is no shame. Never. There is nothing that we can't bring to the table. See, I firmly believe when we bring those topics to the table, it allows us to make them real and normal. Yeah, because they are normal. They're it's so normal. Not talked about. Part of what Sarah shares is being alive seems so, seems so powerful to me now. It feels a little sweeter than before. I recognize that I can experience heartbreak, joy, fear, and hope all at the same time. Nothing is permanent. I cannot predict the future, and that is okay. What I failed to realize before was that I have a choice in everything. I can cry, feel deep emotion when a specific song comes on, set boundaries with others, and not feel guilty, hallelujah, on that one. <laughs> And my anger doesn't last for weeks or days anymore. I want to experience all this world has to offer, whether it's extraordinarily wonderful or terrifyingly excruciating. And don't we all want that? Yeah. So ladies, what I wanted to do today was really just to give you the tip of the iceberg of all that Sarah has to offer. There is deeper conversations that need to be had and I do believe that the best place to have those is in person. If you're a mom with a daughter that you just aren't connecting with on certain levels because you don't know how, I encourage you 
to get two copies of the book, one for you, one for her. Read the book together and have some honest conversations with no judgment at the end of it. However it makes you feel is okay and however it makes her feel is okay. And when we can make all of that okay in a safe space, we allow our daughters the opportunity to grow, to feel pain, to feel imperfect, and to know that at the end of the day, they are loved, they are supported, and that they can get through it. And ladies, that's what Sarah shows us. It doesn't matter how old you are, the wisdom you bring to the table is invaluable. And although Sarah is only 21, she has lived three, four, five lifetimes already, and she is willing to show up for our daughters so that they know that it is okay to be perfectly imperfect in today's world with all of the feels that they are feeling. Sarah, you are extremely brave and courageous. And above all else, I believe that you are a gift. Thank you. I wanna thank you for being open to sharing your story and open to coming to the table for future conversations. I would love it. My goal is to bring moms and daughters around the table via Zoom so that we can all work through this and build better relationships. Our families will be better, our communities will be better. And I think it is really fitting to end with one last little poem. On page 70, when you get your book, you will find the voice in my head doesn't pay rent. So why can't I seem to evict it? And regardless of our age, I can tell you that as women, we all have that little voice. I call it the itty bitty shitty committee. It sits right on my shoulder, yells at me all the time. Amazing. And everybody is all sitting in a row telling me what I can't do, why I shouldn't do that. And sometimes you just need to kick their ass to the curb to get yep. your shit done. Yep. And when you do that, you can. That if it helps ladies, pull out a piece of paper, write the eviction notice, tear it up and burn it and let them go. Sarah is proof that that is possible. And we all have that ability inside of us, regardless of what it takes to pull it out. So Sarah, I know that you have school to get to as you're studying for psychology. Not only are you a gift with your words, but you will be a gift down the road to many other people that you will help work through this pain. In the description, ladies, you are going to find the link to the Amazon book, and you are also going to find the link to our virtual book club. So we will solidify those dates so that you can gather all the people around who need to hear these words of wisdom and we need to have these honest conversations so that we're empowering all generations of women to claim their voice, stand up and know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Sarah is proof that our words do have worth. Sarah, thank you for shedding that light on us. And your worth is immeasurable. I do appreciate your openness and your willingness to have these conversations and to come full in front of a full on face in a Zoom room with these ladies in, uh, in a few months. So thank you so much, Sarah, you're appreciated. Thank you for having me and holding space for the conversations that need to happen that a lot of people are too scared to. Yes, and we're not scared anymore. I am gonna tell you, 
that this is just the beginning of those conversations. So ladies, stay tuned. We are bringing more to the table. Um, we are disrupting the status quo. And if it's an uncomfortable conversation, we are willing to have it and we are willing to make it comfortable and common. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining Sarah and I. I am extremely honored that Sarah chose our table to show up and have a conversation about mental health and what that looks like from a day-to-day -day perspective. If you would like to know more about Sarah or have more of Sarah in your life, you can hop on over to Amazon and grab a copy of her book, In Repair from Existing to Living by Sarah Lynn. If you're looking to join my table to share your story, please reach out via email so that we can connect and see how together we can bring your voice to light. There is, after all, only one of you and your voice deserves to be heard. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a blessed day.